Hey everyone, and welcome to Divi Chat, episode 19. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Each week, the brightest minds from all over the world get together to share their knowledge and expertise of running businesses and developing websites with WordPress and Divi. Tonight, you'll be listening to value-based pricing. That's our topic. Let's get chatting. Before we do, tonight's panel. Hi, Corey. Hello there, David. I am Corey Jenkins with uh, Aspen Grove Studios. Uh, you can find us at aspengrovestudios.com or on Twitter at Aspen Grove LLC. I, I got the Twitter handle right this time. Boom. Thanks, Corey. Hi, Leslie. Hi. Um, I'm Leslie Burnell of A Girl in Her Mac, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at A Girl in Her Mac. Awesome. Hi, Shannon. Hey, David, I'm Shannon Schaefer at Purple Finch Studios, and you can find me at purplefinchstudios.com. Awesome. Hey, SJ. What's popping, guys? I'm Hello. SJ. You can find me at Divi Space. You can also find me on Twitter at SociallySteve. Boom. <laughs> Glad you're here, Boom. SJ. Hi, Tim. Hey everyone, Tim Streifler here, and you can find me at divilife.com and timstreifler.com. Fantastic. And my name is David Blackman, the other half of Aspen Grove Studios, and very glad and excited to be here this week. Looking forward to this topic. It ought to be a really, really interesting one. Value-based pricing. I guess before we get started, we should define what value-based pricing is. And as we looked through the broken internet today, we found a pretty good definition that we seem to all agree upon that might be the best one from investopedia.com. So value-based pricing is the setting of a product or services price based on the benefits it provides to consumers. Cost plus pricing is based on the money it takes to produce the product. So perceived value of versus, you know, the actual cost of building it. So um, we've got a couple of really good value-based pricing people on the panel, and I kind of want to just throw it over to them right now. I'm not going to choose first. Let's get let's get chatting. <laughs> so Leslie, I'll just I heard jump you in. laugh. Yeah, I'll just okay. jump in there if, you, if you'd like. So, you know, for some people, they're probably like, what in the heck is value-based pricing and, you know, versus cost-based pricing? And I think a lot of us think of creating our prices based on, hey, we want to make this much profit and this is how much it's going to cost us. Basically, value-based pricing throws all that out of the window. So instead of saying, it's going to cost us $100, I want to make $100 and we're going to charge the customer $200, it basically says none of that matters because I'm going to sell this product based on what the customer is willing to pay for it, based on perceived value or actual value in the long run to their, to their company. So I'll use like a really simple example. Um, you go into a grocery store and there's 10 types of green beans there. Um, and Del Monte might be $1.15 while the store brand's $1.60. What makes us pay more for the same exact product? Sometimes that can come out of the same exact manufacturing plant, perceived value. And Del Monte does it value-based pricing. Their brand's respected. We think that we are going to get a better product while we may be getting the exact same product um, as the, the competitor. So 
when you're doing value-based pricing, your job really is to make your product more worthwhile to a client over your competitor. And that is the bottom line of you know, value-based products without using a lot of big words. It's all about what the perceived value is and what somebody is willing to pay for your product. Um, we see that a lot of time in the fashion industry, the auto industry, um, pharmaceutical. For example, you might pay $100 for a brand name product and the same exact ingredients are in a generic, but you pay $4. So there's that perceived value that the customer has to have. So when you're thinking about this, as we're talking through this, really think about what a customer is willing to pay for you um, as a brand versus what they're willing to pay for somebody else as a brand. Um, it all comes really down to that. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, I think um, those are some very, very good points. I'm hoping tonight we can talk to it, talk to it as it relates to web design and, and, and you know, the web business and stuff as well. Um, perfect example, you know, the green beans and stuff. Anybody have any experience with value-based pricing where they've used it recently in the past or plan on using it in the future? <laughs> I guess not. And the I, show I saw SJ go, so then I was going to wait, but you go, SJ. <laughs> I was just going to say that I, I don't want to be like the person that's like pulling out the cons list of value-based pricing this early on. The pros, yeah, apart from Shannon. So I wanted to give people a chance to talk, but I, I kind of I don't use value-based pricing because I don't think it works well. Your your average kind of um, small business. I think that if you're Apple, then you can use you know value-based pricing. If you're a guy selling apples, cost-based pricing. And if you're somewhere in the middle, you should try and meet somewhere in the middle of the two. So. If you think of the three, so you've got cost-based pricing, you've got value-based price. So cost-based pricing is saying that it costs me this much, and then I, to, if I want to make this much profit, then I have to sell it for this much. And value-based pricing is it's worth what people think it's worth. And then somewhere in the middle, you've got competition-based pricing, which is my competitors are selling it at this price, so I have to be competitive to that price. Otherwise, people are never going to buy it from me anyway. Uh, Competition-based pricing then is the leveler. So you may think that your value is up here and your competitors are selling here. So you have to think, right, okay, so what can I do to get down from where I am now to where I need to be in order to actually sell enough of my product to be viable in the marketplace? Um, from cost-based to competition, you're, you seem to be going up. So if, for example, you say, it costs $100 for me to make. I want to sell it for $200 because I need $100 profit. Then you can say, right, my competitors are selling it for $300. So what, what am I missing here that's allowing them to sell it for more? What are they including in their cost analysis that makes their product more than mine? Because I can put mine out here and clean up. I can say, right, mine's loads cheaper. But is there, is there a reason it's cheaper? Am I cutting myself short on the amount that I'm paying myself for the time that I put into this product? Am I cutting the, as if I'm using other developers to help build a product or if they're providing customer support, should I be paying them more um, in order to get them up to this price? So I think I'm not 100% against value-based pricing, but I do think that you need to bear in mind that if you think your value is really high, and it's not, 
then you're not going to get anywhere. It's easy to say, right, I'll sell this for $500, but if everybody else is selling it for $250, no one's going to buy from you. And the problem is with small businesses as well, is you um, feel like your brand is worth more than it is. So you might say, actually, we've got this really good brand, but if nobody else gives a crap, then it's kind of, you're, you're charging for something that isn't really there. So I think you need to bear that in mind. And also, it's you, you need to understand your market, which I don't think um small businesses do very well so before i was uh, a web developer i did marketing and things for for large corporates and even they didn't know who their perfect customer was so unless you know who your perfect customer is you don't know how much to charge so if i'm selling cars and i'm selling electric cars then i need to think about people that are buying electric cars not just people that are buying cars before i price which i should charge on that right Small businesses think, right, I'm just selling, I'm selling web design, for example. Who am I selling it to? Am I selling it to a mum and pup business running from their home? Am I selling it to a big corporate client? Because most of us, I certainly don't kind of, I have clients that come from both ends of the spectrum. So who am I pricing my, my cost for? Am I pricing it for the mum and pup that's going to find that too high? Or am I pricing it towards the corporate that's going to think that's too low and wonder why it's so low and not? not want to hire me because they think that I'm too low and I'm not in the league that they need me to be so I think that you need to meet somewhere in between cost and competition and uh, somewhere between uh, cost and value and usually that is competition based pricing so you need to have a look at what your competitors are doing and make sure that you are so it's almost taken out of your hands you need to think who are the people that you're competing against and then make sure that you're you're competitive against them if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I, I think um, I want to talk a little bit to what you're talking to, um, because I guess I'm I'm not against. I'm not for. So I, I think that value-based pricing depends on the situation that you're in. Um, I'm going to give you an example. <clears throat> we had a client come to us last week for they, they need a website redesign and it's a pretty big project. They have a couple of websites, they need to combine them. And you know, initially when they came to me, they were, you know, wanting just to redesign, bring the two sites together and redesign. Well, they had already gotten a couple of quotes. I came in and talked to them and talked to them about what was really important for their website, which was conversion. You know, they wanted to monetize their website. We talked about conversion, but we also talked about SEO ranking retention, you know, making sure that we don't lose the Google authority that they had on, on the one website that was merging into the second website that was deprecated. Gone, the other, and they were merged into one. So when we got off the call, you know, I realized that I had a, um, an engagement for the weekend for the next three days. I had agreed to speak at a conference. and. To get be able to get this proposal out in time that I had told them on the call so I called him back the next day just to make sure that it was okay that I got the proposal to him this week about midweek as opposed to last week and they said absolutely no problem you know David we had gotten a couple of other bids on this website and after speaking with you you know you really brought to light exactly what our goals are what we're looking for and um, they didn't come out and say it, but I'm almost certain that my price 
that I kind of ballparked them on the telephone was much higher than the quotes that they had already received. And on the phone call on the Friday, they were really trying, they were, um, they realized the value of what I was talking about and bringing to the table. Now here's two web designers going to do for the most part, the same thing, redesign a website, bring it into to one much lower, much higher. And the value obviously, and, and we're going to do a whole lot more for them than those other people. I have no doubt in my mind because most people don't even think about the kind of things that my brain thinks about, which is, how am I going to take that customer to where I want him to go and stuff? Um, so that's just kind of an example. Um, but I wouldn't use that in every single case. No. Um, I think each project is different, and and you have to kind of feel into it and stuff. I think I think you gauge it by the situation and stuff. I don't know yeah. if that <laughs> relates to it, but I, 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 I'm looking and um, in order to in order to make this. Oh. <laughs> hey Cooper, come on in. Daddy's <laughs> on the show. No, we need Hi, a new different house. Those kids take on value pricing. Yeah, so, value so, value price. so, so, so I think I think we need to um, for for web designers we need to look at what what creates value for somebody for somebody in our. Um, yeah, you can see my garage back there, Tim. Um, what creates value for somebody in our in our industry that allows us to to have a perceived value in the first place? So, if if we're not doing competitive based pricing, and you know, uh, customer A is pricing it at five hundred dollars, and you know we're, we're looking at it, okay, uh, you know we we think we have more value, we we can price it for a thousand dollars. What adds that value for us? Is it our is it our reputation, our portfolio, our our testimonials? Um, so, so I'm not necessarily an expert in this field, but I, but I'm looking at it as as you know what what do we feel adds value um, for web designers that may justify us pricing something at a at a higher price point, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the example. To jump in here. Go ahead, Tim. The example I I think of with value based pricing is more. Um, so I, I just completed a website for a CPA. He's a, a friend of mine, small business startup. Um, you know, I charged him X amount of dollars. Now, if a large CPA firm, assuming that it was, you know, the same amount of work, same amount of pages, which obviously it wouldn't be just, you know, bigger company is going to require more content. Um, I would charge a lot more for the same website for that bigger, large CPA firm because the website adds so much more value to their company based on the website that I just built for a friend who's just starting out. And so that's kind of how I wrap my head around value-based pricing is even though it's the same work, I'm putting in the same amount of man hours, you know, I'm outsourcing the same amount of, of work to you know, another developer, for example, um, I'm charging more because it brings more value to this other company, even though it's the exact same website, takes the exact same amount of work. Um, and some people look at that and say, that's not fair. <laughs> You're charging more to this company than you charge for this other company for the same amount of work. Um, but again, it goes back to, you know, how much the perceived value, how much is the, the customer willing to pay? Um, and a big company, they're willing to pay more and they also need to pay more to ensure that everything gets done right. Um, 
so I don't know. That's kind of how I wrap my head around it. Um, I don't do value-based pricing a lot because uh, I don't typically bid on on larger projects from more established companies. But um, that's kind of how I look at it. Some very good points. Um, well, okay. So I'm I'm one of the people who I, I don't do value-based pricing. Um, like most of our listeners, probably if if I think a lot of our listeners are probably from the Facebook groups and um, you know newer newer uh, DIY, maybe people are just new to the web design field. Um, most of the time, I think we start with flat rate. Um, and you know, you start at the low prices, you, you get better, you know, as you get more, uh, better reputation, more bigger portfolio, you know, you kind of raise your price and, and you go from 500 to 2,500 or whatever for a basic site. Um, I started in, in that, that kind of uh, structure. And then as I got more into white label, I moved to hourly because as it is now, that's mainly what I do is white label and I never really know how much work it's going to be. Um, it's very much a kind of uh, kind of a play by ear situation um, because I'm, I'm not directly in touch with the client. I have the middleman, the developer. Um, and so I do my do some work, they go to the client, I get feedback and we kind of go back and forth uh, for quite a while. Um, and so I don't really see how I would be able to, um, do kind of value-based pricing in, the, in that type of setup. Um, and I really like doing the hourly. Uh, I, I like being able to, it just keeps it simple for me. It keeps it simple for them. Um, now if I go back to custom builds, which I haven't done in a while, but I'm sure at some point I, I'll, I'll do another one. Um, that's definitely something to consider because now as far as if it's somebody that might find me through Divi or through Elegant Themes or through the Facebook groups, I do have a more recognized brand, I guess you could say, through there, as opposed to where if I go to, you know, the, the pizza place down the street, they don't know who the fuck I am through, you know, they don't know Divi. Um, so my value is not the same to them. I'm just, you know, somebody trying to get some work. Um, so, so yeah, I think um, SJ and well, everybody has touched on some things that it really depends on the situation, um, you know, your experience, uh, don't think just because, well, I want to make more money. So I'm going to say, you know, <laughs> it's going to be more valuable. Um, that's not really how it works. Um, but yeah, so that's my situation. So right now I'm not doing value based pricing, but, um, I definitely see the cases where it, it would work better. But, but, but even like your hourly is based on a perceived value, right? I mean, from when you started and you knew absolutely nothing about it web is. design, I'm, I'm yeah. sure rates have gone up. So yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I, think, I think as we increase our rates, it's based somewhat on that perceived value. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here and, and kind of disagree with you, Leslie, because your rates are based on perceived value of you being Leslie versus, you know, the guy who's just but getting they're started out. They're, they're not really. They're, for me, they're based on my, my experience and how much I know versus no, them. Not so much what client because they can go unlike what SJ was talking about earlier where your competitor pricing like if I compare you to a competitor your value comes in you being so some of some of value-based pricing comes from the motion you know in the buying process for the client there's an emotional thing that happens here in value-based pricing um, when we're thinking about it like and it depends on you know the industries that you're serving but for some people like if you're doing a, a a website for a coach or somebody like a psychologist, a doctor, something where their face is going to be on it, their emotional attachment to this website is totally different than 
somebody who's going to be, you know, putting up um, or a product that they've developed versus somebody who's putting up, you know, the pizza shop. Let's go back to that again. So there's some of this emotional thing in value-based pricing. And whether we know it or not, sometimes, even though SJ was talking about this, like, you know, this peer pricing thing or competition pricing thing where we price based on what our competition is, as we get better, more well-known and build our brand, in our minds even, our value goes up and who our, who our peers are. So in, in some essence, we all do a little bit of that value-based pricing based on what we perceive we're worth to the client. Because unless you're doing that cost basis or doing that, you know, like SJ was talking about, that competitor, looking at, okay, here's my 10 competitors and I'm gonna basically be the mean. We all do a little bit of that value-based pricing um, in it. So, you know, not to be argumentative, yeah. but- No, that makes just, sense, that makes sense. Just when people are thinking about what they're doing, um, our own perceptions come into play of what people think of us and whether or not they're emotionally going to make that investment in our brand. So SJ wants to say something I can tell. <laughs> Here's the problem that I have, right, with the value-based thing. Okay, when you, people seem to get to this stage, I don't know when it happens, but they stop thinking of their brand as something that it's for marketing and they start thinking of it as something that has a tangible value or a tangible difference to everybody else so you get to this stage where you go actually because i am x instead of y my codes coated in gold and it's different to everybody else's you know and it, you know it's worth more and that's not what happens especially with small business web designers really what oh, wait gonna... wait one second your code is definitely worth more than mine <laughs> what you touched on Corey is is right I think actually the only really thing that should be value-based in terms of our businesses is what we value our time at in terms of what we're capable of doing I think everything else if you go beyond that then you start getting into the realms of snobbishness where you think that you're better than other people purely because you have a stronger brand and I think that realistically that's going to get you to the point where maybe you'll quote more than other people because people are landing on your site more and they're saying hey i like this but if your if your quote is wildly different to everybody else it's not going to get you any further than that people are just going to go and then <laughs> and go with the next guy you know so i think that's my problem with value-based marketing my other problem is that i'm a i have a mathematical head and cost-based pricing is easy because it's maths it's this plus 20 percent if you want your profit margin to be 20%, it's, you know, it's, it's tangible. Whereas value-based seems to be pie in the sky. This is what I think I'm worth. This is what I'm going to charge. And then other people that are coming into the business. A perfect example, and I don't want to start a fight, child themes. Someone will come in and say, right, I think this is what my value is. This is what my brand is. So I'm going to, I'm going to charge $200 for this. Someone else will come in and cost-based price it. And say, so actually, I could have done the same thing and I'm going to sell it at $75 because that's how much it's actually worth. And that's the, the target that I have. And that's the figure that I need to reach my target. So now you have this huge disparity. And from the other side of it, you've got customers asking if that's $75 and that's $200, why? Not massively different products. They're very similar in what they do. So why? And then that gets people questioning the whole concept of child themes. How much are they actually worth? Where, and essentially what happens is 
is competition pricing takes over and the, the, the guy charging 200 comes down to 100 and the guy charging 75 comes up to up to 100. But what, what, don't know, what voodoo happened to get to that <laughs> figure? You know, that's, that's the problem with value-based. If everybody did cost-based, it would be one thing. If everybody did value-based, it would be another thing. But it's not. It's this difference where one person's doing one thing, one person's doing another thing. We're meeting in the middle. No one's quite sure why. And it's all a bit confusing. Well, yeah, I, I think, have to say that I'm glad that I do my child themes for fun because that just, I always stress my brain out. And I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, value, part of the value-based pricing for me and listening to what you were saying, at Jay, is it also comes down to who you are, you know, um, how, many, how, how many clients you have and whether or not you can take the work. So you get to a point to where, you know, you can handle so much work. You know, some people raise their rates and say, you know what, I'm going to charge more. And, and, it's, and it's kind of interesting because I've heard many people time and time again that said, you know what, I'm going to overprice this project because I can't take it or I don't want it. And then the customer says, you know, well, why in the heck would they pay and get it for one grand over here? Um, it's value perceived. So I do think there's a direct correlation with business grows and you book out, you know, that value of what, you know, we kind of started the show off with, with Del Monte and, and the generic brand, you know, there's a perceived value for people to either wait prices because they want that person to do the job for them. Leslie, I think, is a perfect example. You know, she put on her website, you know, hey, I'm booked. <laughs> you know, I can't take any more clients. And, you know, she's overloaded with clients. They want her even more. It's kind of like the, you know, <laughs> when you tell the tell the, tell the They girl, want that. Oh, it's the oh, light. The moths go to the light. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that's a different thing entirely. That's clever marketing. People want what they can't have. I really am, but they swear now they're gonna think I'm lying. <laughs> but, but but I have heard, and, and I, I think it was like uh, some, you know, I think it was something from WP Elevation, one of their courses, and, and Troy Dean said, you know, if you know if 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 you're not busy and you're you know just running around in circles, raise your prices twenty percent. Just start quoting twenty percent higher. Just see what happens. And and it is that it is that perceived value of, of clients, and they go, wow, okay, th this guy is higher. There must be a reason. He must do better work. Hopefully, you you do you know um, decent and better work. But uh, I I think for a lot of people that holds true. Some people underprice themselves and under undersell themselves, and and people are going to perceive that as cheap and that they're not going to get a good end product, even though they they probably will. But uh, if if you're one of those people who just aren't landing the clients, try try bumping up your prices uh, for you know six months and see what happens. I mean, there's that, that's that's the psychological side of value-based pricing, though, isn't it? That's people thinking that you're you're worth more because you said you were. It's a perfect example of that. Is like Coca-Cola. Are you telling me that the amount of kind of money that they make and um, the processes that they have for for ingredients and things like that, bulk buying, the they have their own factories for bottling and things. They should be cheaper than the kind of the home brand competitors, but they're not because they know they can charge more. And we still buy it and we don't buy the cheaper brand because, you know, we've got that kind of thing in our head that goes, yeah, but it's, it's close to Coke, but it's not Coke unless you buy Coke, you know. So I, I get the kind of psychological side of it. I just don't get how you get there from kind of being a, 
in my in my uh, scenario, a guy that's at home, you know, for people or building a plugin or two, I don't get how you get to value based instead of cost based. When cost based is where the maths is, yeah, or or is it like just some you know um, mesh of, of cost based and value based? I, I think that's probably yeah. where. I think there's a lot know, of a lot where of most people end right. up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I, my, my argument would be you know, go ahead. Right, I think my argument would be that there's no such thing as value-based pricing in our business or or when you are a small business. I think people charge more because they're spending more and they're spending more because they're doing other things on top of just, you know, just building sites. They're doing research and development or they're paying more on marketing or they're hiring somebody to come and answer their email because they're so busy. You know, I don't think that the disparity in pricing is because one person has decided I'm worth so much more than you. I think the, the 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 honest answer is that people are spending more. So I think everything is cost-based pricing in our in our industry, or gonna, at our level. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and disagree with you because I have a local agency that does Taylor Swift, okay? And they don't <laughs> they don't have any more overhead. They're right around the corner. Their 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 offices are literally right around the corner from us, and um, they don't have any more overhead. They don't have anything but they work with Taylor Swift. You know, they work with Salesforce. The perceived value of them is way over my little dinky Purple Finch Studios. So um, do, are they more talented? Maybe, but not what they charge in, you know, my quote compared to their quote is seriously seven times. And that is just the factor of people want the, you know, say I worked with XYZ. So I do think that there is, value-based pricing in every single industry is it you know wrong or right that that's to be debated but i think in our market and in from an accounting and from a, a strategy standpoint every industry has that that value-based pricing and this particular company has positioned themselves as some people just want to work with the same company that website that did Taylor Swift's website Taylor Swift by the way is from my my town here so you know she's a known name so they want that. And I think that for some of us, you know, they, they perceive others to be worth more than others just because they are. So um, that's the mentality. It's an emotional thing. It's an emotional buy. And I think that is the key to value-based pricing, whether it's wrong or right, is that you are using the client's emotions, whether their emotion is, um, I want to make more money, so I need to spend more money because that is a big perception among, you know, nobody goes with the cheapest or the highest. That is like a quote that, you know, goes around for a really long time in business. You go with the guy in the middle. So um, if you're the cheapest guy, you're perceived as being, you know, maybe not the uh, the best, you know, or if you're the highest guy, sometimes you're just as being the best or, you know, Taylor Swift. So, go, Tim, go. Go Tim, go Tim. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just kind of, I don't have a lot of experience in this. So a lot of this is, is pretty new to me, but I'm kind of thinking through, and I, I feel like there's almost like two different types of value-based pricing. One being what, you know, the majority are talking about, which is the value that I bring. And then the second one is kind of more what I'm familiar with, which is the value that what I'm giving you brings to this individual client. I feel like those are two different things because um, like in my example earlier, the CPA firm, I could charge a, a small CPA firm a much lower price and then go around and charge 
a bigger CPA firm, you know, 10 times the price for the same product, but it's not because I'm saying, oh, I bring so much more value because if that were true, then I would charge the same to the small company and the big company. So I feel like there's almost two different types of value-based pricing. Does that make any sense? I think what you're saying really though is the same thing because it's not about you bringing the value. Your product inherently, intrinsically brings more value to the big CPA because they can use the website to get more right. leads than the smaller. So I think it's really the same thing basically stated in two different two different ways of looking at it. So your product is you. So, you know, yeah. I mean, it would be like if we're talking about something that is a car or something like that, it's a little different, but your product has the impact on the business. And so it's not necessarily your skills, but how it can help the business have a return on the investment. So that all goes back to that perceived value. So same yeah. thing, I think just stated differently. And I think it's two emotional states that the buyer is in. So, you know. Yeah, so in, in that case then, would the Taylor Swift studio, if a mom and pop restaurant down the street would they do they only do the big companies because they can you know only the big companies can afford their higher price because they're taylor swift's company um or would they charge you know the mom and pop shop down the street you know right their prices are going to be inflated for everybody gotcha so okay. you know that's that's the issue they're not they're not going to they're value-based so the i think it has like two different I mean, true value-based is perception of what you're worth to the client. So I think you can say, hey, to client A, I'm worth this. To client B, I'm worth this. But it still comes back to the same thing, the perception of the client. Whether the perception is, is because you're Taylor Swift or because you're going to, Tim is going to, you know, make my company blow up. It's right. still perception of the client because really, you know, so is it going to? Jay mentioned. <laughs> what was that? So, they're the snob that SJ mentioned. Yeah, they're the snob, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, and some I mean, people buy for a brand. There's nothing wrong with with being a snob in that sense. I mean, and that that's a good example because I think the Taylor Swift company, if they're not doing the the mum and pup home website shops and they're just doing kind of the bigger clients that's a different thing so what they've basically said is that we're going to target a different audience right. to this this company mm -hmm. it's the same as cars you say like if you're buying a car it's different but it isn't different you know jaguar don't make cars for first-time drivers you know so they've they've targeted a different audience to the people that are making the cars for first-time drivers that's different what we're talking about is essentially charging a different price for the same product to do different people at this point we've stopped asking how much we're worth and started asking how much they're worth right and that's my problem with value-based pricing should ever be a question of how much uh, i think worth. i i think that shannon brought up a very good point in that you know she mentioned roi return on investment and i think that is a very very important key factor you know that if the value that i am going to bring to this company because they are a bigger brand and can reach a larger audience there is a much greater value for what i'm going to build for them even though technically it's going to take me the same amount of time you know um call me a champagne socialist but i think <laughs> that actually when, when you're talking about roi you should be talking about your return on investment how much did something cost you versus how much you're going to sell it for it's up to that company to figure out their ROI. It's, I don't think it's up to us to decide what their ROI is. You know, it's up to us to, to try and convince them that we're the best candidate for what they need. 
Work SJ, out, you better uh, stay over there in, in Britain <laughs> because you ain't making it here in the U.S., brother. I also think that, um, you know, if you're not talking about ROI whenever you're meeting with the client and you don't have a good grasp on the metrics of what you can bring to that company, the value and stuff, then, you know, you're you're probably shorting yourself as opposed to, hey, it's going to take me X amount of hours to do A, B, C, and here's your price. You know, um, that's just my opinion, but, you know. Right. So here's where I am, then. This is what I do, and then you can tell me what you think about this and whether or not it's right or wrong or different to what you guys do, right? So I say... I don't go for the value-based pricing, I go for the cost-based pricing, but I don't look at competition until after I've worked out how much it's going to cost me to make. Because what I think is that that will then influence my decision on how much I should charge, and I don't want it to yet. So what I say is that it's going to cost me this much, or it's going to take me this long to develop a product, and so I have to charge for my time times however much profit I want to make, right? Then I'll look at the competitive products, and I'll say, right, okay, so this is the price I had in mind, and this is what my competitors are doing. I will either come up or down from where I am based on what my competitors are doing. I will try and meet somewhere in the middle. So how I imagine value-based prices do it is the other way around. They'll say, I'm God and I'm worth this much. <laughs> and then they'll bring themselves down to the price that their competitors are doing. So whether or not I'm coming from below and then coming up or they're coming from, from down, don't we all just essentially end up in wherever the competition is is putting their pricing? Is I think there's a lot of yeah, people who don't care about competition at all, but they're just like, yeah. and I'm not saying for me, for me, I use cost basis. You know, that's just how I work, you know, but there are lots of people who are value-based and they don't really care where, you know, the competition is based. And I mean, I think that is in every industry um, that you will find that. And, and, and maybe not, for, for most of us or anybody who's listening to us, is that is that where they are today? But if you get to a point where you can charge what, you know, do value-based pricing, good for you. I mean, that's I guess that's how I look at it. If you're at a point where you can, you know, David, you were saying about, you know, how you were pricing, you know, value-based, if you can do that, that's amazing. I think for most people, they are going to be, especially starting out and, you know, developing their brands, I, I think they are cost-based, SJ. I think you're 100% right. But I think where we probably differ is, my thing is if you can do value-based pricing, more power to you, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a luxury. And there's there's probably people sitting, um, you know, watching this going, man, that that, sure, that, that would sure be nice to, to do value-based pricing. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're starting out or, you know, if your uh, mortgage is due, you know, you're low on groceries, you're going to, you're going to price what you need and, and what your family needs. So it's, it's definitely a luxury. And I, I, you know, obviously if you're sitting there at the point you've signed five websites this month for $10,000, another one comes in, you're going to say, you know, why am I going to, you know, do this website for $2,000? And so, so I think ultimately it's, it's an extreme luxury that uh, most, most web developers and people in our industry uh, can't afford. So I, you know, but, but you do end up uh, increasing your value um, either, in, in your own perception um, or, or with your brand. I mean, if you have a good brand and you have a great portfolio, you have great reviews, then your, you know, your potential clients are going to see that as well. So. Yeah. I, again, I think it all 
comes back to um, every situation is different. And depending on, you know, perfect example, we had a, a client reach out to us today and it was a lighthouse in Maine. And, you know, I just came off of, of um, <laughs> meeting with a client and, you know, pretty decent project. And this client from Maine with her lighthouse, as I'm talking to her and she's telling me what she's doing, and she tells me that she's going to, I'm asking questions, normal questions, budgets, this, that, and the other. And she said, well, I think what I'm going to do is, is I think I'm going to pull the money out of my pocket and I'm going to donate it to the lighthouse. And I said, well, no, here's what I'd like for you to do, you know, and head on over to our shop, see if there's a theme that works for you. And we're going to do the site for you. And hey, if you've got some RV hookups up there, when I come to Maine in a year or so, and you want to hook me up fantastic I called with <laughs> check for Corey so you know like I said it, every situation is different based on with what you're bringing to them um, what they're bringing to you and stuff and you know that's that's two total extreme examples of the client that we spoke with early in the morning and then this client here um, well and I think know. it's important <clears throat> I think it's important for like I said, I think a lot of our listeners are kind of maybe more in the new to intermediate level. Um, and I don't, I hope nobody feels like, oh, well, that's the goal, the holy grail, you know, that's where I got to get. I myself, I have no ambitions to get the big white whale clients. I don't want a big company. I'm, I'm by myself. I don't want to have to hire a team. Um, I like what I do. I like my hourly white label work. Um, so it's okay if you find a spot that you do like and you're charging hourly, don't feel like you're inferior to, you know, Joe Schmo doing his own little web design thing over there. Um, everybody's going to find something that's going to work for them. Um, so I forget. I had another point, but that's good enough. <laughs> well, this has definitely been a great topic. Um, I was going to say, sorry if Cooper threw you off track there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had the best, the best input. Uh, I, I, just, I just got a kid behind Shannon there, too. <laughs> yeah, it's not that too. Were they clothed? Was he clothed? <laughs> Close, but crawling on the ground. You can't see him, but podcast bomb. I don't know about you guys, but I'm quite keen to hear Cooper's opinion on value-based pricing. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. What say ye? Cooper, what do you think about value-based pricing? You need to take your headphones off, man. Let him hear it. Yeah, let me unplug it. Hi, Cooper. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, what? How do you how do you feel about value based pricing, Cooper? Oh, I think there's a ghost. There you go. If you've, you got two, if you've got two swords, which one are you gonna buy? The cheaper one or the more expensive one? <laughs> or the sharper one? The sharper one. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Value -based <laughs> buy the sharper. I like Cooper. <laughs> I got. Hey, can you tell my bed you need to go? I'll check if there's a ghost. Yeah, it's on the show, okay? Oh! Hi, Cooper. Leslie's ovaries just exploded. I'm good. I'm good watching y'all's kids. I'm good. I hope we didn't totally confuse our audience tonight. You confused me. I'm just kidding.
I think everybody brought up some really good points, some things to talk about and consider. Um, I think this episode's going to be a bit like Inception. You're going to have to watch it twice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do we have any parting thoughts from anyone? My um, I'll put some. I'll put links to that Investopedia and anything else I find oh. in the notes. I'm not going to write a PDF because I I just can't. But <laughs> here's my parting thought: Go buy child themes because the value that they provide for your business <laughs> is way more than if you to, were to not buy a child theme. And, and Tim is totally independent and has no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you should just buy all the Divi plugins that have the word switch in them. Because oh they provide a ton Finally. of value. Finally, Shannon is talking to me. I mean, the perceived value in those plugins are so much more than, you know, these yeah. child babes. Well, I, I've been making the value-based argument because I price my latest plugin Divi overlays much higher than most of the other Divi plugins in the market. Yeah. And Tim so, rocked the boat. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I've been getting a lot of pushback. Hasn't hurt sales, just throwing that out there. So for other <laughs> Divi product creators, you should uh, follow the lead and go to a, a tiered uh, recurring structure as well. But um, people are like, oh, I don't want to pay you know, a recurring charge for a plugin. I'm like, well, you know, for $59 a year, you can put it on as unlimited sites. I mean, how many websites does it cost to make that worth it? You know, in most cases, just one. And I had one person that said no, it wouldn't take just one. And I was confused how much she was charging for a website. But, um, but yeah, I, I made that argument quite a $59. bit. You know, the value that it provides and asks your business. So it's totally, you know, a value-based pricing model. Um, I think we should it, have a recurring value, recurring uh, revenue Divi chat one day because oh, that, is, that is the... Um, that would be good. Yeah, even for people who aren't making plugins and and child yeah. themes, I think the recurring um, the ma- maintenance plans that's another model thing. is a really important model. And I yeah. think that guy with the switch, does anybody know him? That Divi switch guy. I mean, I definitely think he could definitely upcharge. You know, a little bit. I think maybe we need to work on his yeah. perceived value of what his product yeah. really is, because I think he's really just a socialist who wants to give everything <laughs> for free. I've heard he's mysterious foreign <laughs> but but here's the thing um, even though I make the argument based on value-based pricing the whole reason why I switched my model was more because of cost plus because you know selling something once and then maintaining it and supporting it forever isn't a sustainable model so it's it's kind of a, a mixture of both and it kind of goes into what SJ was saying where a lot of people, end up doing kind of a mixture where they're not really doing value based or they're not doing cost plus either. It's kind of a balance of the two. But you've just hit the nail on the head there is that from your perspective, it was a cost based thing where you said, well, actually it's costing me this much to provide support for plugins. I'm having to invest this much time and therefore there's a figure on that. The if, if the value on the other end is a much higher ROI for the customer, I think that's a happy accident. But I don't think it's somewhere where you should be making like equations for your business. Right. Yeah, I see what that's, you're saying. That, yeah. That's my final thought. <laughs> that was a good Boom. One. Good point. Good point, SJ. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great episode. I have uh, definitely learned quite a few things. All right, everybody. Well, 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Divi Chat. Head on over to the website, divi.chat, and check out our show notes. If we've discussed any specific products or links, they'll definitely be in our show notes. If you like the show, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. And remember to leave your questions and comments Ten in the stars. section below. Ten stars. Ten we stars. Love- I don't know how many stars, but the max. Yeah. We would, we yeah. would love to... We heard the ten star rating is broken, so if you could test it. <laughs> no, you have to Try sign up for two accounts and leave two five star. That's right. <laughs> All right, we'll tackle another topic geared to help you improve your WordPress and Divi development and business. Thanks again for tuning in and listening. Have a good week, Bye. everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.